this is where things get real crazy, as they say. And um, it's on page 23 of your pew Bibles. Let's stand together for the reading of God's holy, authoritative word. Hear God's word to you this morning. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude toward him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude toward me is not what it was before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of the Lord said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever God has told you. Then Jacob put his children and his wives on camels. And he drove all his livestock ahead of him, along with all the goods he had accumulated in Padam Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. When Laban had gone to shear his sheep, Rachel stole her father's household gods. Moreover, Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him he was running away. So he fled with all he had, and crossing the river, he headed for the hill country of Gilead. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban, the Aramean, in a dream at night and said to him, be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead, where Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of tambourines and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You've done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night the God of your father said to me, 
Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you have gone off because you long to return to your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, he shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me. And if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maidservants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent, but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence. I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? He asked Laban. What sin have I committed that you hunt me down? Now that you have searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine, and let them judge between the two of us. I have been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring your animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself, and you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Thus ends the reading of God's holy powerful and errant word may he bless our hearts and lives this morning you may be seated Woo! what a tangled web we weave when at first we attempt to deceive can i get a witness Woohoo! and you thought what you were watching on tv was some strange stuff uh, like, they, like they always say, truth is stranger than fiction. You can't make this stuff up. Well, as you can see, it's a really huge passage, so all I'm going to be able to do this morning is kind of bring to your attention some of the things that kind of float up to the top. You know, um, I used to live in upstate New York where there were a lot of dairy farmers, and what we would do is we would, when we would go to get milk, we would uh, skim the top of the milk because guess what that was? That was the fat and the cream, and that's the stuff we put in our coffee. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to try to bring some of that out as best I can, as, as succinctly as I can this morning. And don't worry, I'll be watching to make sure I stay within some reasonable amount of time because I certainly can get carried away. Uh, but I'll try not to do that this morning. That's okay. All right, thank you. So let me open up with this to give us a little perspective, get the big picture before we get caught in some of the details. And I'll do this very quickly. But some of you haven't been with us, I, I notice, 
uh, throughout our whole study of Genesis. So very briefly, I want to mention just kind of the, the melodic line that's been going through the book of Genesis. And I want you to know that way back in Genesis 12, God made promises to Abraham. Some of us remember that. He promised to give him two things in particular. He promised to give him a land, right? He's promised him a promised land. And he promised him he was going to make him into a great nation. So he promised him a people to fill that land. So what good is a land if you don't have the people? And then he promised, and this was the awesome promise, the covenant he made by his grace, not because Abraham was deserving, but simply because God is good and merciful and gracious. He said, it's through you and your seed that all nations will be what? Blessed. And we know we trace that line all the way to the person and the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm way ahead of myself. But that's the promise he gave to Abraham. Well, then in, in Genesis 26, 3, see, I jumped really far from 12 to 23. The Lord said this to Abraham's son, Isaac. He said, stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. So God didn't just give it to Abraham, but he gave it to his promised son, Isaac. He repeated the promise. God will do what he said. And then we, we come to Isaac's son, Jacob, who we've been reading about this morning. And this is what God said to Jacob, Abraham's grandson, in chapter 28, verse 15. Listen, this is important. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Awesome. Now, God promises to his covenant partners, as I mentioned, a people and a place. But if we read it quickly, we, we could miss the third thing he promises them, which really is the key to this, these two chapters that we just read. And that is God promises something incredible. He promises his very presence. It also starts with a P in English, so it just kind of works. A people, a place and presence. He makes that wonderful promise, I will be with you. We even heard in our prayer times, the, the, the real question that we ask in our lives is what? Is God with us? Is he really with me? Is he present? Even in the craziness, even when my life doesn't seem to make sense, even when I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to row the boat forward, but it seems like I'm going backwards. So we see, when we look at crazy Jacob, because he was crazy, in the sense of he was a deceiver, he was a conniver, he was always working it. You know those people on the street, they're always shucking and jiving, always trying to get one over on you, and you're so annoyed when they, when they get you, you're like, ah, oh, I fell right into that. Well, that's Jacob. He works it. Now what I have to mention before we go too deep into this is that you notice his life was an absolute train wreck. And the reason his life was a train wreck is God would promise him something, but then he would go about in the wrong way to try to get it. Now, I do want to just give this minor point as we've read in the text. 
all that craziness, all that drama. You ever, you know, some of us, we're getting a little bit older. I know people that are older than me say, what are you talking about? You're young. But I feel old. And I got to tell you, I like to try to minimize the drama in my life. Can I get an amen? amen? I'm getting a little tired of this drama. My wife and I always say, I'm tired of the drama. But the problem is, if we don't want the drama, then we got to change the choices that we make. We got to understand, is God, does God love his people? Amen. Did God make promises to his people? Amen. He unconditionally loves us in Christ Jesus, and for that we give a big amen. But I'll tell you what, he doesn't unconditionally love our behavior sometimes. And that's what we see with Jacob. That Jacob was, we saw it last week, but I just need to mention it for some of you who weren't here last week. We see that the same God who saves us by his grace disciplines us by his grace. You know, Jacob originally just wanted one wife. What did he end up with? He ended up with two wives and two concubines. Why? Because he kept making these horrible, deceptive, conniving choices. Now, we're going to see in a moment, the neat thing is that God will work even in our mistakes and even in our sins. He's the kind of God that can weave beauty out of brokenness. You know, we talk about, you know, we see the needs in the world, whether it's uh, people with mental illness, whether it's people in poverty, whether it's people that are broken because of sin. And the one thing we have to, we, as we get older, we recognize we don't have the power to fix them. It's the truth. And sometimes, we, you know, we keep banging our head against that wall. But what the text, what we're going to see in this text is, just as you said, Kiana, thank you, he does. He's the one that can work even in the brokenness and in the end say, look at this beautiful thing I have made. And the incredible thing about this is he could do that. If he did, he could do it for Jacob. He could do it for you. Because the same God who lived in Jacob's day is still the same today. You know, Pastor, you're, you're, I ain't Jacob. No, you're not. But God is God. The same God. So what I want to show you, uh, I think it's super important to see this. We see the secret to Jacob's success, and it wasn't all his shucking and jiving. It was simply that God was with him. Isn't that credible? We see in chapters 30 and 31 that the Lord is keeping his promise that he made to him way back in Genesis 28, 15. I'll be with you and I'll watch over you wherever you go. Good thing God is almighty and all powerful because watching after that rascal had to be difficult. You know, when you got a certain kids, you're like, man, watching over them wipes me out. Well, thankfully, God's almighty because he, he has no problem watching over this rascal. And, and really, he's the only one that can. You know, so let's stop this nonsense. Well, I didn't want to bother God because I know he's got a lot of. What are you talking about? You're talking about the God who spoke things into existence. He ain't got no problem watching after you. And that's the cool thing. When you watch that he can watch after Jacob, that means he can watch after you too. So before I bring just a few salient points from these two incredible and interesting chapters in Jacob's life, 
I want to do something that I normally wait till the end of the message to do, but just in case I run out of time, I don't want to miss this because this is more important than anything else in the whole text. I want to show you why the details of this nomad's life who lived almost 4,000 years ago. Think about that. We're reading a story that happened 4,000 years ago. That's a long time ago. But I want to show you why that has value to you here and now this morning if you belong to God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. If you are a true believer and you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to show you why these words way back in Genesis 30 and 31 are basically God's love letter to you today. But hey, that sounds really good. Well, you're making a pretty heavy claim. Well, let me prove it real quick. We're going to turn to Galatians 3.26, if you want to turn with me. But I'm going to read it quick. So it's Galatians 3.26 to 29. And I need you to see this, or else you're going to be like, why are we going through all these details of a guy's life who lived 4,000 years ago? I'm going to show you why. Galatians 3.26. Paul's writing to those who have trusted in Christ who live in Galatia, the area of Greece there. You are all sons of God through what? Faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If that ain't good enough, the next line. If you belong to Christ, then look at this. You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Listen, we know Jacob was of Abraham's seed because it's his grandson. That's blood, right? We always talk about blood being thicker than water. Well, there's, there's another blood that's thicker than biological blood, and that's Jesus' blood. And if through faith, you belong to him, guess what? You are the heir. You're Jacob. In other words, you have the singular blessing and presence of God upon you. You can claim it. You want to name and claim something? This is something you can name and claim. No, sorry, not the BMW or the beautiful man. No, you don't be claiming that stuff. But you could claim sonship or daughtership in the Lord. And that's the, you know, we, we had a prayer earlier about self-worth. You can't have any greater self-worth than to know that you are an heir. You know, that means when someone dies, they leave what? Everything to you. Well, the cool thing is someone did die, but he rose again from the dead. And he says, what's mine is yours. We won't realize that fully until glory, but we got it in principle now. And I want you to see that because... In the few moments we will have in the rest of our time together, I want you to see that as we look at how God deals with Jacob in these passages, how God saved him by his grace, how God disciplined him by his grace, he blessed him with the very incredible blessing of his very own presence, how he was with him in good times and bad times. He was there when he messed up and he was there when he did heroic things. He was there when life was good and he was there when life was lean. I want you to see that same God is the God who will do that in your life and is doing that if you're a believer in your life today. And so that's why I get jazzed when I read Genesis. And I need you to see that. 
Because sometimes people think that, oh, well, the pastor is really into Genesis the same way an archaeologist is into digging up archaeology. In other words, oh, I just love, you know, like reading the Bible is my hobby. It's just interesting to me. No, I got news for you. In that sense, I'm no scholar. I'm excited about this because God is talking to me, the God who loves me, the God who gave himself for me on the cross. This is all about how he works. And look, what is the Christian life about if it's not about knowing God and being known by him? And walk with him day to day, with his pre- recognizing his presence, even though when you don't feel it. When I was a young believer, I had to learn something. And it was a hard lesson. You don't live by your feelings. Because feelings come and go. So, and I, I, you know, I say, but I'm, I'm Mediterranean. What can I tell you? My feelings are all over the map all the time. If I went by that, I would be like totally, you'd have to put me in a straitjacket. But I don't go by that. I go by the works and the ways and the word of my God. Because my God, by his grace, not because anything I've done, is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And that God is the God who created heavens and the earth. And that God is the one who sent his one and only son, who said to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You know, perhaps the best way to put it as we look at this text is what Paul said in Romans. We read it earlier in 15.4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So see, I, all that stuff I told you, you'd be thinking, well, that's just Santo's opinion. No, it isn't. The word of God tells us everything written in the past, meaning the Old Testament, by the way, was written for us. For that the, through the encouragement and the strengthening of the scriptures, we might have something. And you know what that is? It's what the world is sorely lacking today. Hope. Real hope. You know, not the English version of hope, which is, I hope that happens. The Bible never uses hope that way. It's a sure Sure bet, a sure thing. It's the, uh, the, the book of Hebrews talks about it. it's like an anchor that goes through the veil in the temple in heaven. And it's solid. And as Jesus is at the right hand, he's saying, I guarantee it. And I guaranteed it what? Through my own blood. I signed it in blood. It's the covenant. I will not forsake you. All right. I know you're all scared because that was just the intro. But it's all right. Well, I'm just going to take a couple minutes here, and where I leave off, we'll start. We'll, we'll, Pete will pick it up for us next week. But I really felt like I needed to say that, so to put it in its proper context. We might only get to one point, and that's certainly going to be okay. Um, that's all right. So we're going to start with our text in hand, and I want to mention this, and I think it's very in, in, um, important for us to see this um, in the few minute, moments we have here. It's an important point. Sometimes our will and God's will actually line up. (laughs) Isn't that shocking? Sometimes the very thing we want to do is the very thing God wants us to do. Now, that doesn't, we know that's not always the case because we're sinful 
And God a lot of times has to convince us, he has to work in our hearts, he has to show us, no, this is a good thing, get away from this bad thing, I'm telling you, i got something better for you. But sometimes we're in agreement, almost from the get-go. And what we see here is that's the case with Jacob. Notice in chapter 30, verse 25, we read it earlier before prayer, that Jacob actually starts to talk about going back to his homeland even before God commands him to do so. Now, just real quick, in Genesis 30, if you remember, the, the wife that he loved, the one that he really originally worked seven years for, that wife finally gave birth to her first biological child, and his name, we're going to read all about him for chapter after chapter, his name was Joseph. And as soon as baby Joseph was born, Jacob's like, let's go! We're going back to the promised land. We're going to Canaan because finally I got a son through Rachel. He's excited. He wants to go. He's no longer a lone speck of dust. Remember God said his descendants would be more than all the dust of the earth. But now he has two wives, two concubines, 11 sons, one daughter, but there's still one problem. He wants to go back, but here's the issue. He ain't got nothing. I'll put it with a little better grammar. He doesn't have anything. He's got no goods, he's got no flocks, he's got no, you know, it's like, well, I better not use that expression, but it's like my parents said, I mentioned it last week when we first got married, my parents like, how are you going to get married? You ain't got nothing. Well, I mean, they, were, they weren't totally wrong, but we did kind of make it on love, didn't we, didn't we uh, man? But anyway, God did provide for us. But the point here is he had nothing and he was ready to go back. But here's the issue. He had worked for his father-in-law, listen, for 14 years. And here's why he was also so eager to get back. 14 years of being mistreated. 14 years of his father-in-law not paying him the right thing. Right? Ten times he said, you changed my wages. And you deceived me. We, every time one of the flock was hurt or died or something, Laban expected to take it out of Jacob's pay. He gave him all his strength. He worked day and night. And what did he get for it? He got nothing. And so here's the deal. If he would have went back right then and there, things would not have been pretty for him and his family. Because he would have went back. He would have went, as we always say, po. Because he can't afford the other O and the R. Get that P-O. No, anyway, so he would have went back that way. So what, what Jacob does... It is, so, so, of course, Laban didn't want to let him go because Laban said, um, I, I did this mystical thing of divination. I found out that I was blessed because you're here. In other words, what's Laban acknowledging? You're the golden goose. God would not have blessed me if it wasn't for the fact that his chosen child was in my midst. And, Jacob, and, and Laban wasn't ready to let that golden goose go. So he says, well, what can I give you? Well, Jacob says, you know, the scheming Jacob has an idea. He goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, I don't want no wages. I just want you to do me one little favor. And he got into that whole long thing, which you definitely don't want me to repeat. We read it already, where he says, I'll tell you what. You just give me all the speckled, the spotted, and the streaked animals, and you keep the ones that are, you know, either all white um, for yourself, and that way, we could tell whose flocks are which, and in the end, let me have the ones that are the spotted and the streaked, and you keep the other ones. And you could also, and he sells them by, by saying this, look, you'll know if I stole any of them, because if, if I have a white sheep, you know it's yours, and I took it. 
So Laban says, all right, th then that sounds like a good plan. But Laban's not going to be fooled by the fooler. So Laban takes all the streaked ones, pulls them away from Jacob, and has his sons watch that flock. And he puts three days' journey between them. So we read the whole story. And I won't get into that, but I will get into this. Notice that they're still, both of them are still conniving. Did you notice this? They're both still trying to outdo one another and trick one another. But we saw what Jacob ended up doing, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but the, big, the first big takeaway, and probably no one will have time for today, is this. Even when our will and God's will are in agreement, sometimes God will make us wait for his perfect timing. That's what's going on here. Think about it. If he would have left in his original time when he wanted to leave, like I said, he would have had nothing. You know that old saying, thank God for unanswered prayer? I think there's even like this real corny uh, country song on that. Go, mine, I'm sorry. But here it's not so much thank God for unanswered prayer as much as it is thank God for delayed answer to prayer. That's what we got here. Now, forgive me, some of you, but I, as I look out, I don't know that too many of you have heard this story before, but I'm going to tell you real quick. And it's something that happened to me as a young believer, and it was a lesson I took with me to this day, and that's why it made me think of it when I was reading this, studying for this. I was a young man. Yeah, at one time I was. I think it was, I was either 20 or 21. And uh, people always laugh. I thought I was going to be like the Apostle Paul, single, so that I could dedicate all my time to preaching the gospel. I don't have time to date those girls. All, you know, that's wasting all my time on that. I need to be about the kingdom. I'm not getting a lot of amens on that. But that's the way it was. But now, that might be true, but there was something that God knew about me that I didn't even want to admit to myself. Listen, this is important. Deep in my heart, I always longed for a companion. I didn't go around telling people. I didn't even tell myself this. I kept denying it. But I always wanted, and especially once I got saved, a godly woman to share my life with. And so at one point, I finally, there was a nice Christian girl, and we were meeting every week at my house. I lived with my parents, in a way it was safe. And we um, would do Bible study every Wednesday night. And we, we, we were really having a good time Bible study. And one Wednesday, for some reason, she couldn't come. No big deal. The next Wednesday, something else came up, and we couldn't meet. I was a little disappointed. The third Wednesday, I'm all excited. I'm all ready. I got all prepped. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. And I get the phone call, my car broke down, my dad's here, I'm at the college parking lot, I'm so sorry, there's no way I'm going to make it tonight. And when I hung up the phone, because I'm, I'm a little thick, I finally looked up to heaven as it were and I said, wait a minute, you're doing this God, aren't you? You're, you don't want us to get together. So I threw myself on my bed, like the mature young man I was. And I remember, I literally said to God, I ain't talking to you. Because I know exactly what's going on here. And I don't understand it. Because she's a Christian, I'm a Christian. I want to do the right thing. And then there's my Bible sitting, right? And I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, I want to hear from my father. So I wanted to crack, and I'm like, you know what, though? If I open the Bible, you're going to rebuke me. You're going to say, how dare you be angry and talk to me like that? So I wouldn't open the Bible. Yeah, I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to stay stubborn. I'm going to cut my nose off despite my face. 
So I had this little AM radio next to my, my um, no, I'm sorry, I think it was FM. It had FM, but it was an old radio. And I had it on this Christian station, and kind of against my own will in a sense, I flicked it on real quick, and right in the middle, as soon as I turned it on, it was a sappy song. I don't want to give you the, the name of it because I don't want you looking it up. But I found it online. That's the magic of online today. I found it online. And these are the words that as soon as I turned it on, this is what I heard. Listen. When God says no to you, it's such a blow to you. When all your hopes and dreams unravel at the seam. When God says wait to you and God seems late to you, it's hard to rest within his will. It's hard to trust and just be still. It's hard to simply wait until it's all made plain. He who holds us in his hands has no problems, only plans. He who has control of all sees the smallest sparrow fall. He who works where no one knows does not sleep as we suppose, but works in all things, both great and small things, for his own glory and our best good. Amen. And you know what happened? I cried like a little girl. <laughs> but you know why I cried? Because I was overjoyed that my father cares. And that my father knows how I feel. And my father knows what I need even more than what I know. And indeed, that young lady ended up marrying one of my good friends. And they're really happily ever after. And I praise the Lord. But I would have missed the love of my life. Amen. Who's sitting in the second row. And who has been my partner, faithful partner now for 30 years. And, and at the beginning, I have my doubts who was the better half, but she's definitely the better half. But the point being is, sometimes in life, we can't see even right in front of us, right? The nose in front of our face. But we can trust the one who knows and who has good intentions for you and for me. We don't know it at the time. Jacob probably didn't know it, but, but you know what? I'm going to take that back. The one beautiful thing about the, when I talked about the cream coming up, how many times does Jacob say in these texts, if God had not been with me, Amen. right? Or, but God was with the God of my father. The fear of Isaac was with me. And so notice something's going on in Jacob. We're going to come to a close in a couple moments here. Notice something's going on in Jacob that he's not the same man that, that was fleeing for his life from his brother Esau those 20 years ago. He's been weathered. He's been changed. He's been disciplined. And he's beginning to see, guess what? I don't have all this wonderful stuff now. Because by this time, when he's ready to go back, he's got... Um, his own flocks, he's got sheep, he's got camels, he's got servants. But he recognizes finally, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? We're going to have to just pause it here till next time, for time's sake. But the beauty of it is, we're going to sing together, if it had not been. But let's pray first, let's pray. Father, how we do thank you that though your will sometimes on this side of glory, it seems like it takes us through a winding road. It seems like it takes us, um, maybe even we're going backwards. We do thank you that you are the sovereign God of the universe. But more than that, 
You're our God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and you will never forsake us. You are always with us in the good times and the bad times. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, like you even gave your servant Jacob, that we would be able to acknowledge that any good thing we have is because you were watching our backs and because you desire for us good things, even though in this life, we will face much trouble. We thank you, Jesus, that you said you have overcome the world. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand.